this is Deb Somerville. I'm a partner in the New York office of Fox Rothschild and a member of the firm's IP department. Today, we are pleased to bring you an engaging discussion on unique IP issues arising in the cannabis industry, as addressed by two Fox partners, John Lagerin and Josh Horn. John is a partner in our Denver office with over 30 years of experience in intellectual property and commercial matters involving both litigation and transactional work. Josh is a partner in our Philadelphia office where he is co-chair of the firm's cannabis law practice and ranked by Chambers USA among the nation's leading cannabis law attorneys. This is Joshua Horn. I co-chair our cannabis law practice group, which has about 80 individuals in it. We practice nationwide and actually internationally as well. And with me today is my partner, John Lagerin, who is a partner in our IP practice, who has a unique perspective on IP, considering that he worked at Fox Rothschild and worked in-house for a number of years, and he's fortunately back with us again. And he will have some unique perspective with respect to how to protect trade secrets and trademarks and patent issues in the cannabis space. Thanks for the introduction. You know, maybe to begin, just broadly, as you suggest, you know, outline the intellectual property issues that cannabis businesses face. They're, they're typical of what all businesses face, but I think there's some unique aspects, obviously, for the cannabis business, but there's three main buckets of intellectual property that cannabis businesses have to concern themselves with. One, probably the most frequently talked about is, uh, I'll call it branding, trademark registration for a consumer product, obviously, the brands you sell under are vital, and there's a lot of issues for cannabis-related businesses because of certain federal laws that don't allow you, for instance, to register a cannabis CBD products. So that's one area, but also in the cannabis space, there's a lot of patent issues and we actually do a fair amount of patent filings for cannabis companies, companies that make cannabis products, cannabis containing products, but also ancillary products. And so there's actually quite a lot of patent work and patent filings going on both by this firm and in the industry. And then the third area of intellectual property that's a frequent issue in the cannabis space is what I'll call generally trade secret law. Uh, because as you can imagine, a lot of the product differentiation is built around recipes, uh, formulations, unique product characteristics, and that gets into trade secret law. A lot of cannabis companies, which tend to be early stage, younger companies, run into issues with trying to protect their trade secrets or failing to protect their trade secrets, which are vital to their business interests. So you got those sort of three major areas, so again, branding slash trademarks, patents slash inventions, and then trade secrets recipes, formulas, those are the three main intellectual property areas that cannabis businesses encounter from distributors to manufacturers, providers, these issues run through all those businesses. And so those are the, the main buckets. John, you raised actually an interesting question because in some of your remarks, you were noting about the federal issues and your cannabis, as we know, is still federally illegal, although it's legal in states where there's either legislation or changes in our constitutional framework to allow either medical or adult use sales. But since a lot of these protections that people can seek are on the federal level, is it really possible to get federal protection, say, for a patent when it's dealing with a cannabis-related product because of the federal illegality? Can you just give us some insight with respect yeah, to that? Yes, so on the patent side, you can file a patent application for any, quote, useful invention. So long as the invention has arguably a medicinal or some kind of possible use, 
even though it could be a regulated drug class one or whatever, we can basically do it. So you see a lot of patent applications these days about how to refine cannabis products, how to use cannabis products, and, and you almost always have some medicinal or medical component to it. But the short answer is there's no prohibition on filing patents that relate to cannabis-containing products, even those products that contain THC in excess of 0.03 or whatever. So you can do it if you have a product there. It's a little bit how you might frame it, but uh, so you can file patents there. As opposed to, as many people know, on the trademark side, you're not allowed to register because of the federal prohibition on selling THC-containing products. You can't register trademarks to sell a THC-containing product. And so there is a difference there between patents and trademarks. You can usually apply for a patent on pretty much anything that is a useful invention related to cannabis, but you can't register trademarks for selling THC-containing products. That's interesting, John, because it, it just so happens that I was out to dinner with an IP lawyer, a friend of mine at another firm here in town, and he was telling me about a trademark application that they got negative pushback from the trademark office, but it wasn't for traditional cannabis, it was for a hemp-related product. And hemp, under the 2018 Agricultural Improvement Act, was legalized, including derivatives from hemp, which is typically CBD derived from hemp, which in hemp is defined as a matter of laws, that cannabis sativa plant and any derivatives thereof that contain 0.3% or less of THC on a dry weight basis. How that's actually calculated is beyond me, but that's the definition. And so using my friend's problem now that he's got this great pushback, can you just talk about, because hemp's legal, why would the trademark office push back on a hemp-related trademark application when, yes, it has THC in it, but it's not above the threshold to be something other than hemp. So I guess the short answer a little bit is that the trademark office, to some extent, didn't get the memo. So let's just talk maybe initially about strategies of registering trademarks. So again, in any commercial consumer product in particular you're selling, you want to develop a brand, and whether that's with a THC-containing product or just a CBD oil or such or whatever, of course, those are important to your overall commercial success, your brands. And for trademarks, of course, there's you can get them at the state level and federal. there's a federal registration for trademarks. And so what we're talking about here in particular where there's a problem Problem is federal registration of trademarks that cover cannabis products in general. And so what happened is that people realized that they couldn't register at the federal level trademarks for specifically cannabis containing products, but they could get a lot of space around them. So ancillary products from pipes to paraphernalia, shirts, things like that. And so there's been a lot of brands that have filed a lot of trademark registrations around cannabis products, but not directly for particularly THC-containing products. Then with the Farm Act or whatever, they said, all right, hemp is legal. And there was this rush to the trademark office to get the closest adjacent space to cannabis or THC-containing products, which is the hemp products. And the trademark office has been fighting that. <laughs> However, some brands are getting through and some aren't. And I got to be frank about it. It doesn't seem to be scientific at the moment fully. If they consider it too close to registering a brand or a trademark for something that could cross the line into federally illegal conduct, they won't register it. So it becomes a sort of a battleground, and it's not entirely clear yet where it's going to sort out. But in theory, you can register a trademark at the federal level to sell anything that's legal to sell at the federal level. But as I said, in this hemp area, it seems that the trademark office is not entirely allowing that. And again, the reason for it in part is 
the trademark office is sensitive to the fact that people are really intending to brand something that does contain THC. They're going after the hemp thing to try and get ahead of everybody else on the assumption that at some point, THC-containing products will be federally legal as well, and they can get registrations. And so to the trademark law, the person who's got the first use has the priority. And so you're trying to establish a priority on a very close use to the THC use. And again, the trademark office is resistant to this because they're trying not to give anybody a head start, if you will, on registering products for what's currently illegal at the federal level, THC-containing products. So it's a mess, short-term. <laughs> Bottom line, the whole trademark registration on the federal level is a bit of a mess. It's interesting, John, is it almost as if it's like a luck of the draw of who your reviewer is, whether you're going to get past the threshold? Well, yeah, it's a little bit of that and a little bit of just so when you file a trademark registration, you have to identify the products you're going to sell and how you identify the products you are going to sell or are selling. You can file a trademark registration on an intent to use or for actual use, but how you identify the products that are going to be sold under the trademark has a large impact on how you do it. And so how you define them. If they don't think the line is clearly drawn, that can be an issue. But for instance, smokable products might contain less than 0.3% THC by weight. That's going to probably be an, a problem. <laughs> if, on the other hand, you're registering it and it's an obvious cannabis-related brand, but it's for logos on T-shirts and other things, you're likely to get by with it. But hemp products in particular have a whole host of issues that they're very sensitive to. A lot of them are There's another sort of undercard here, which is not explicit, which is that there's FDA regulations related to CBD products and claims about what they can do. They help you sleep better, all those kind of things. And so there's another undercurrent here where there's some resistance to register marks around things that are maybe federally regulated, but not well regulated. So anyway, the answer in some is it depends on you describe the goods you're going to sell under the brand. It's interesting you raise the FDA issue because the FDA, although under the Farm Bill of 2018, it was delegated the responsibility to regulate derivatives, namely CBD products from hemp, but yet it has yet to do so. Instead, what it has been doing is sending cease and desist letters to companies where they're making health curative claims, such as our CBD product cures migraines. There were even some folks out there that are saying their CBD products prevented COVID, which I thought was an interesting one. And, and that's really all they've been doing. The position the FDA takes is that CBD is a drug because the FDA approved a drug called Epidiolex, which treats two forms of childhood epilepsy. And so it's just an interesting dynamic because notwithstanding the fact that you have the Farm Bill of 18 saying it's legal, in some ways it's even more of a mess. But one of the things you raised was that the companies had some success in getting collateral products, getting trademark protection, such as things like pipes and other paraphernalia. But yet the Controlled Substances Act says paraphernalia, if it's used primarily for the purposes of an illicit substance, is illegal. So how are companies getting their vape? Well, you got to say it's for smoke tobacco or other type of products that are illegal, but it's a mess. Our people who have gotten brand registrations for pipes that could be used for cannabis products. But again, you describe the products to be used for smoking legal substances. But of course, they can also be used in some cases for non-legal substances, depending on the designs, etc. But yeah, it's such a mess. I do want to step back. And so one of the things, of course, everybody is doing, and just to make sure people understand the recommendation. So again, trademarks, a lot of it in terms of staking out your territory comes down to first to use. And so unlike where you can legally do a business, you would say register at the federal level, get federal protections and the benefits of after five years, it's incontestable. Instead, in the cannabis space, everybody is basically trying to register at least at the state level to establish an early date of use. 
at least with respect to any THC containing product. What you end up with in the cannabis space when it comes to branding and trademarking is this sort of two-tiered approach. It's like you try to register locally as much as possible marks and brands that you're using indirectly for THC containing products. And then at the federal level, you try to get registrations that are in what we call adjacent or near fields on the theory that when and if THC containing substances become federally legal, you'll be able to expand your brand into this adjacent space. And you need to make them as much as possible focused on non-federally prohibited activities. And even with all that, there's just this reluctance at the trademark office for the FDA and other reasons. And so you get a much higher scrutiny or review when it's clearly a cannabis-related brand, I have to be honest. That raises another interesting issue. I think people who operate in the space on a regular basis, branding means everything. And I think some companies view that as really the true value of their company is their brand. But when you talk about the products that they sell, they try to get... People try to get protection on the products that they sell. But if you were to go randomly and pick 20 grow facilities and see what products they make, they probably all make the same named products, Purple Kush. It seems like everyone has a product called Purple Kush. So how could one company get protection for that and another company can't? Or is it even possible if everybody has the same named product? Well, again, on a product to say Purple Kush, I don't think you're going to get the trademark office to allow you to register it because it's... I guess, in their view, obviously, related to a THC-containing product. So it does create this scenario where it's a wild west. But again, that's where I mentioned state registrations. You can register in that brand in a state if you're the first to use it. And then I think what's going to happen is you're going to start seeing some sort of common law trademark suits where people find out who's really first and who really has the rights to the brand. And I do want to mention another stuff. You said the brand is the value of the company, but brand is closely associated with quality. Now, quality, I don't mean necessarily high quality, low quality. A brand can be a cheap brand, right? That's their stick. And another brand can be a high-end brand, but quality is a factor in that. And that's where you cut over into the trade secret side of it. So for blends and products like that, that have a unique experience, that can be a function of how you put it together, the sequence or the mixture, the blends, the products. And that's where you get into trade secret, which is closely tied then to your brand. It's an identifier of your unique products, which are tied to the way they're made or whatever, and your trade secrets. So I just want to emphasize, I think that trade secret is a bit overlooked in a lot of cannabis businesses. And to, to maintain a trade secret, it takes a certain amount of discipline, like not the least of which is only having people who have a need to know the secret know it. So not everybody in the building knows it. And, and locking it up. But again, when you're developing a brand and you're trying to identify a certain type of quality or qualities of that product, you also want to think about trade secrets that make your product differentiate from the others that, that are why people assimilate to the brand. And that's another way if your product gets a unique sort of reputation for whatever, that it's got a certain spiciness to it, whatever you want to call it, that goes with your brand hand in hand. So the two go together. And I think a lot of people in the cannabis space overlook the importance of their trade secrets, confidentiality, not just having an open floor where you can anyone can see how they, they blend their products, for instance. And I would think, John, it would get more complicated because there's some companies that we call multi-state operators. They operate in multiple states at the same time. And so if I understand what you're saying, wouldn't those companies have to seek independent protection in each state in which they operate? Because Presumably, they're not sending anything over state lines. Yes, the short answer is yes. Any state you're operating in, you should register or file your marks and your brands. Yes. And or do whatever the law requires to protect trade secrets. And that's fairly consistent across most states. There are little nuances, but that's fairly consistent. And the basics are 
that a you got to keep it secret and confidential you got to take reasonable steps so that not anybody knows it and the b is that it's got to be something that actually gives you an advantage over your competitors now again if you're taking something smokable and the blend has a unique uh, aroma uh, unique uh, taste or whatever and that's because of the unique blend that's clearly something that can qualify as a trade secret if you maintain your recipe confidentially well, recipes are a classic trade secret and the, the fertile area for people developing brands in the cannabis space is think about your recipes think about your unique products and again if it goes to things like pipes and stuff you can have unique designs you can get design patents also sometimes but you can have unique designs of the way you make the product that somehow gives it a better performance that can be a trade secret but the third area which is why i segue to the pipes useful devices can get patents and so you can get a patent on a unique on a unique uh, pipe if it's nothing in the prior art like it you can get a patent on the design that you put on a pipe that's the third element of, of ip here that again i think in the canons space i think you're right everybody's brand focused but parts of brand are the qualities that make it unique and that can be in trade secrets or when it comes to like design features, they, there could be patent design protection also for your brand. The virtue of a patent, a design patent, for instance, which goes to the artistic design, not something useful about it, but the, the value of that in a cannabis business is that you get nationwide protection. So if you've got some kind of unique design that you mark on all your products and it's a physical design that goes on the device as opposed to a trademark, you can think about design patents as another way to build your brand. Got it. So I guess along that line, if there's federal legalization, I think obviously, at least from what I'm hearing, many of these issues that we've wrestled with may eventually fade away. But let's assume federal legalization of THC products over 0.3% is not going to come anytime soon. And assuming that's the case, where do you think the cannabis industry is heading from an intellectual property protection standpoint? I think they're headed to some level of chaos because the whole purpose of federal registration for the trademark side is to avoid confusion in the marketplace where there's multiple different parties selling under very similar brands. But again, you have state laws that you can use to enforce it and it just becomes more costly and more scattershot and you can get varying results in different states. So I think you're going to end up, and I think you've already alluded to it, where there's going to be some level of chaos where there's going to be people selling products with confusingly similar names that are distinctly different products. It's gonna be a little difficult for brand guys to protect it, but then that's why, again, I emphasize, think about the trade secret and patent aspect of it, even the design patent aspect of it, that you somehow make your products look unique in some way, because there you'll have better ability to enforce your brand. Brand is associated with a certain quality or qualities of a product and certain aspects of it that make it unique and identify it. And so you need to think more especially because of the lack of federal registration. I think cannabis business need to think more thoughtful about other ways that they can protect their brand and enforce their brand across the country. One of the things you'd mentioned on the state level is making sure you have limited exposure to who knows the secret sauce, if you will. Do you recommend that em employers have employees sign confidentiality agreements? Absolutely. Thanks for bringing that up. A lot of states impose a certain level of confidentiality obligation and a loyalty on employees but you should as a matter of course just like any other business have your employees sign a confidentiality undertaking when they come on board and typically also an assignment of inventions and patents when they come on board so that if while you're paying them they devise come up with a better way to harvest your cannabis or to make your products that also could possibly lead to either a design patent or a utility patent because of some useful mechanism and again if you get a patent you can enforce that nationwide and you can get in 
injunction against a competitor, et cetera. So you should have these basic principles that apply to other businesses of when your employees come on board, they should sign appropriate confidentiality, invention disclosure, and invention assignment agreements. It's the same form of agreement that other businesses use. There's nothing unique about them in the cannabis space. That's great, John. I appreciate your comments here. I think you really gave us a lot of food for thought of the issues that currently face cannabis businesses and hemp businesses and issues that will likely be faced for the short and maybe long term, depending upon what happens at the federal level. So I appreciate your time and taking the time to speak with us today. Thanks, John. It's my pleasure.